0: Good to see everybody, good to gather together. Thank you for leading us in in worship and music. Let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for this time of the service. We thank you that we were able to join our voices together. We thank you for those who lead us in worship and that we can lift our hearts to you. Lord, we uh, pray that now at this time that you would Help us to take in your word and apply it to our hearts and our minds and our lives, and that we may know more about you because of this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, today we can find ourselves at odds with other people over any variety of issues, you know, because we approach things as individuals from Different worldviews, different values, different motives, different backgrounds, different opinions on what things are most important, and different opinions on what things are most dangerous or threatening. But I believe this morning our passage will greatly help us to realize and to really prioritize where our fo- foremost concerns should be focused. And not that other matters are unimportant, but that what we will look at today will be the foundation of how we make our decisions, and what we look at today are the things that are actually behind the scenes. But <clears throat> as we've been going through the book of Revelation, we have seen God the Father on his throne. majestic. Glorious, splendid. And God the Father is saying, it's time to call people to account. It's time to bring judgment upon the earth for those who oppose God's rule. And there was only one person, as they searched throughout the universe, throughout the heavens and the earth, there was only one person who was worthy to start that process of unleashing God's judgment upon the earth and to redeem God's earth and that was the Lion of Judah the root of David the Lamb of God Jesus Christ the sinless sacrifice for the sins of mankind and he was the only one that was worthy to break the seals off the scroll which unleashed the beginning of God's judgment upon the earth the beginning of God's end time judgments upon the earth, and those who refused to turn to him. So Jesus took this scroll from his Father, and began to break open the seals, and those judgments began to come. I would say fast and furious. There were judgments against wickedness, there were judgments of war, famines, plagues, wild beasts, People refusing to turn away from their wickedness and in repentance toward God. They just kept getting hammered. Then came the trumpet judgments. Hellfire mixed with blood hurled down upon the earth. There was a huge mountain thrown down into the sea. The sea turned into blood. Sea creatures were dying. Ships were destroyed. And that just, you know, messed up their whole commerce. A blazing star falling into the rivers and springs, you know, contaminating all the drinking water. People were dying from drinking that water. The sun, moon, stars uh, were struck, turning dark, taking away the light. Locusts with tails like scorpions coming up from the abyss, torturing people. For five months, people were, were trying to die but couldn't. It said they looked like soldiers with armor on and sounded like the thundering of many horses. I mean, can you imagine that? Locusts. Horses were released that brought plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur. These were the judgments coming from heaven upon the earth. And it says that even though God brought all these judgments, people still refused to turn to the Lord. The people who were not killed by the judgments. Still refused to repent of their evil deeds, their murders, their sexual immorality, their thievery, their magic arts. Now, we come now to the final trumpet judgment. You know, we have the seals, we have the trumpets, and we have the bowls. Each one gets more severe. Each, Each series gets more severe. And now we're at the final trumpet judgment. We looked at that out last week, actually, but it's going to lead into today's passage. And it's going to take us to a place that we can't see with our eyes. And it's going to give us spiritual insight into the things that we cannot know outside of the Bible. And it's going to be a very great help to us as we start focusing on what is real behind what we see. It will reveal to us the true battle that we must fight. Now, of course, many in our world will not believe what the Bible is saying here. But it will open our eyes to the truth behind what we see in our world. So let's begin by looking in again at the seventh trumpet And it's verses, it's in chapter 11, we're moving into chapter 12, but it's 11:15 through 19, we're talking about the seventh trumpet judgment. It says, the, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces worshiped God saying we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign the nations were very angry and your wrath has come the time has come for judging the dead And for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. And so now we're moving in ever closer to God's complete victory over evil and those who refuse to repent and turn to him, even though they've had every chance. And so in chapter 12, we're going to look behind the curtain to see the true battle that we're involved in. So read with me as I go from 12.1 through verse 6. Well, I forgot a verse there. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And within his temple was seen the Ark of his Covenant. That is the presence of God. The Ark of his Covenant was his presence with the Israelites as they traveled for 40 years in the desert. And so as that seventh trumpet sounded... Then you could see up in heaven. John could see. And within his temple was the Ark of the Covenant signifying the presence of God. So, two of them. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. That's just the the glory and the power coming from the throne of God. But now, chapter 12. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. A lot of symbolism here, and we'll, we'll look at that in a minute, but this is what John saw when he looked up. A woman clothed with the sun, moon, and stars. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days, which is three and a half years. So, a lot of symbolism here, and you look into other parts of the Bible to to get a lot of clues. But this vision comes from the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And the Apostle John says he saw two signs. Now, you know, signs always point to something else, don't they? And like I said, these signs will show us where the true battle is, the true battle that we must be in. And the first sign, John says he saw a great sign. And the second sign, it says he saw another sign. The first sign is a woman clothed with the sun, moon, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She's clothed in majesty and glory and even victory. She represents Israel, the people of God. She cries out in pain, the pain of labor, as she's about to give birth to the Messiah. And as she's crying out, it's because there's there's persecution upon her. All these things have meaning. The 12 stars could could represent the 12 tribes of Israel and even Also, the 12 apostles. So it's probably all the people of God. Then you have the red dragon, another sign. The red dragon in ancient literature was often the description of a, a sea monster, and usually one called Leviathan. The dragon came to represent all the terrors of the sea, you know, back in that time the leviathan, the red dragon. He was the presence of evil and death. And it said he had seven heads and seven crowns and ten horns. Now, seven is the number of completeness, fullness, and ten horns represents a multitude or magnitude of power. Horns on animals were their weapon. And so the more horns in a symbol would be more power. And so this this creature with seven heads, seven crowns, and ten horns, he is masquerading as a sovereign power. And we find out that that's Satan. Satan imitates the true majesty of Christ. He wants to be honored like Christ. He wants to take the place of God. We know that in the Bible, don't we? And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul calls him as, you know... He has some kind of rule over the earth for a time. And the Apostle Paul calls him in different places, Satan, the prince of this world, the ruler of the kingdoms of the air, and the God of this world. That's him during this time. But the Bible says his rule will come to an abrupt end. It says in our passage that he swept away a third of the stars out of the sky to the earth. And we know that to be when Satan rebelled and he, had, and he was able to gather one third of the angels to follow him. And they followed him and they became the demons. The woman gives birth to a son who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And that fits the description of the Messiah. The dragon is standing in front of the woman to devour the baby. And the dragon wants the Messiah destroyed and he wants to rule. He doesn't want the Messiah competing with him. Kind of sounds like King Herod, doesn't it? But it it's also goes back to you know, Satan versus God, Satan versus Christ. But it says the child is snatched up to God and is thrown. He's protected by God. And see, in some of these visions, we're just going to see an overview of what's, what's happening. And then we'll go into another one that gives us even more information. We see Satan coming after God's people. We see him trying to destroy God's son, the rightful king. Satan wants to rule. It's hard for me to even imagine Well, what does it take for, you know, a, a a person or a thing that God created to want to take over God's rule? Amazing. But God rescues his Messiah and he places him on the throne. Now, all of this is symbolic of the true battle between God and the devil, between good and evil, between Christ and Satan between Satan and God's people. It says the woman flees into the wilderness, prepared for her by God. The woman represents God's people. Israel, the church, the people of God throughout the ages. 1260 days, three and a half years, the same amount of time that back in chapter 11 where it said that the Gentiles were going to trample the holy city for 42 months. Same amount of time. So she is fleeing for her life. Now, here is something we mentioned last week, and we see it here again. You know, the woman fled to the wilderness, a place that God had prepared for her that she might be taken care of. And what we find in the scriptures in times of persecution, when it says, when the Bible says, that God will take care of his people in hard times, it often doesn't mean that there will be no persecution. In fact, sometimes as God prepares people, he's actually preparing them for persecution. And in these last days, we're going to see here that many will be persecuted and some will die. But God will be protecting them. When someone turns to God in their persecution and they're hanging on to God, we're going to see this in a minute, they are safe in His hands even if they physically die. Because that's the most important thing. The most important thing is that we are safe in God's hands when we die physically. So safety doesn't always mean physical safety. God does save people physically, you know, at times. In some cases, it will mean being safely taken to heaven if we are a child of God. Because, you know, Satan wants us down with him. So as John keeps watching, he witnesses another dramatic scene, even more dramatic than the one we've seen. Now, I can't even imagine being John the Apostle, up there, you know, in heaven, however that happens, and watching all this drama take place. But what happens here is very key. Look at verses 7 through 9. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Now, before I go on, you know, sometimes when we're talking about numbers of angels, sometimes it talks about 10,000 times 10,000, meaning you can't count. You know, It doesn't tell us any number here, but, you know, Satan had one-third of the angels, and then we've got the angels attacking, or Satan, Michael seems to start this one, I can't even imagine all the chaos and, and slaughter and whatever, however that happens between angels. But can you imagine a war between two groups of angels? Michael starts it here, and it says that the dragon was not strong enough to withstand Michael. And it says these angels lost their place in heaven. He fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. My question was and is, what place did the demons, or the the bad angels, have in heaven? Well, they they were already cast away from God. What place did they have in heaven? Well, you know, in the Bible, there are some places where it says that the angels come before God to give an account to Him, the, the good angels. Well, you assume it's the good angels. And it says, and Satan was with them. That happens twice in the book of Job. And then you can see it in other places, too, where Satan has access to God. And so God, in the book of Job, brings Satan to account. And it shows Satan even answering God. But it says here in the battle with Michael and his angels that these bad angels lost their place in heaven. So up until this key battle, Satan and his angels had some sort of place in heaven that God allowed for some purpose. But now here they are hurled to the earth and I want you to look at what happens, what the reaction of heaven when this happens. Verses 10 through 12. Then I heard... A loud voice in heaven say. Now this is when Satan is cast down. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. This is bringing in the messianic kingdom. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb... And by the word of their testimony, that's how the the saints triumphed over their accuser. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows... That is, time is short. <clears throat> when Satan is hurled to the earth, all heaven rejoices. This is a major, major victory. You know, we don't understand all that's behind this, why Satan has some kind of access to heaven, or the, the bad angels have, have some kind of place in heaven that they just lost. But it's bringing in the messianic kingdom, the kingdom of God and his Messiah. It seems to be a great turning point in history. It seems like the expulsion of Satan from heaven is a critical step in ushering in the kingdom. And there's rejoicing in heaven because the accuser of God's people has been cast out. But it also says, as I mentioned... That those who Satan was, was accusing, it says they triumphed over him. <clears throat> in verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So their faith, their salvation rested in the fact that Christ shed his blood to pay for the sins of mankind. So it was because their faith was solid in Christ that they triumphed over their accuser. And then it says, and by the word of their testimony. Their testimony was how they were acting when they were being persecuted or accused. They stayed faithful to God. They still spoke out for Christ. They didn't turn away from him. And they didn't, <clears throat> they didn't leave their faith. It says they did not love their life so much as to shrink from death, So they were willing to go all the way for the Lord. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That is how they triumphed over Satan. Even as they lost their earthly lives. Anchoring their faith in Christ's sacrifice and continuing to testify for him. Some of them gave their lives, but they were still safe in the protection of God. And you see, that's kind of, when we think of things so much, we think of the earthly meaning. When we think of being safe, we think of, you know, locked doors, closed windows, whatever it takes to be safe. Well, here are people who were safe and they gave their lives. Because they were safe, you know, in the real battle. The real battle of hanging on to Christ and becoming and and being taken to heaven because of their faith. And in that sense, they defeated Satan. But now the voice of heaven tells those in heaven they can rejoice. But he says, woe to the earth and sea, because Satan is filled with fury, and he knows his time is short. So let's look at our last verses <clears throat> as we go to verse 13 through 17. It says, When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. That's that same 1260 days or 42 months. Out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. We read that the voice from heaven tells heaven they can rejoice. Because the devil has been hurled to the earth. And it says, woe to the earth, because he's filled with fury and he knows he doesn't have much time. So we know in this that things are going to get rough on the earth. Because Satan is furious and he knows he doesn't have much time. And he's trying to gather all that he can, everyone he can. But then when we read these verses, we see how God protects the woman. And that's the, the children of God or, you know, the, kind of the, the matriarch of the children of God. Protects the woman by helping her to escape to a place outside of Satan's reach. Satan spews a river out of his mouth to overtake the woman. But God causes the earth to swallow the water so Satan goes after her children. All that symbolism there showing how Satan works and, what the, and the battle that we're in. <clears throat> so here's what I see. We can see from this passage that God has everything under control. All the steps You know, not everything is good for the people involved, you know, and not everything is comfortable, but God has it all under control. He allows Satan a certain amount of freedom, but Satan can only do what God allows him to do, you know, at the time he allows him to do it. God sets his boundaries. Now, we do see that God does allow his people to suffer He even allows some of his faithful people to die at the hands of evil people in some instances. And we know that to be true. But God always has things in in the best way. His kingdom will come. His enemies will be defeated. We can reign for eternity with Him. But we don't know how He will choose to use us as individuals to bring Him glory. You know, He can use use us as individuals to bring Him glory by removing us from danger, by stopping, you know, by swallowing the water, the earth swallowing the water, or He can use us through our deaths. But the thing is, we don't have to worry about it. We can just walk through life trusting in the Lord because He's going to do the best thing. And we can emerge from every single trial and every circumstance in triumph by remaining faithful to Him. No matter how much it damages us or hurts us, we remain faithful to Him. And it's by the blood of the Lamb And the word of our testimony its with our faith placed solidly in him, no matter the outcome. And so my suggestion is let's not overburden ourselves with fear of what might happen. Let's just take great comfort in the fact that God is in control of all things. And with our faith in him, we know the ending. He's doing all that needs to be done in order to defeat sin and Satan. Satan is a very, very powerful enemy, but he's no match for God. And God has already won the victory. Satan has to answer to God. He walks in there with the angels, and he he gets called to account. Now, we run into trouble when we get too caught up in having everything just right on the present earth. You know, we're so earthly-minded because that's who we are, right? We're made from the earth. We live on the earth. Our whole life is on the earth. But then we forget about what's behind everything. And, and we can get easily too caught up in having everything just right on this present earth. And if things go wrong, it gets us upset. I need to look past this present earth to the new earth and the coming of the kingdom of God. And that God's protection and his help to us often is helping us to the kingdom of God. And then, if we have that mindset, we can be champions when we stake our claim in the blood of Christ and the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. And that is our victory over Satan. So we can just remember, Satan has lost his place in heaven. I don't know what all that means exactly. And we are on our way to claiming ours. And that is the true battle we fight. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for reminding us what is true and what is true beyond what we can see. And thank you for your word that just encourages us, teaches us, helps us, points us in the right direction and tells us what is the most important. And Lord, we pray that you would keep that upon our minds and help us to remind each other and live that way in front of each other and in front of others. We pray that Many will come to know you in these days, in these days of trouble, and that we can be there to help them, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.